every time, every time I speak to Jambo, there's this like joy that comes up and and I just get warm and and, and tingles everywhere. And I, I'm curious how, how how you feel now that you've spoken yeah. to him. I mean, you are telling um telling me this about him and this effect he has on you every time you see him or talk to him, like just before we spoke. And obviously I've done my research and was already amazed by his credentials and everything he puts out there. But speaking to him, seeing his face, hearing his voices, another experience altogether. And I think it will translate in um in the podcast, hopefully that will come across. But yeah, if you you don't know about him, I hope this is this is, I feel like this is a great inter- introduction. I feel mm. I think I was audibly kind of stunned by like things mm. that came out of his mouth. Um, sometimes we were just sat in silence staring at him, waiting for like what he said <laughs> to land. <laughs> I, yeah, um, I, I feel really giddy right now. <laughs> you were right. Mm. <laughs> I have to say, like, I, yeah, like, there were definitely moments that I felt just, like, stunned again and again, just trying to process, you know, the, like, what, like, his insights, the, and, like, you know, it's something that, even though I've known him for close to 10 years now, it's still like that every time I interact with Jambo, and, um, yeah, like, this is definitely an episode I will keep um, coming back to, to listen to, to let these words just settle in my body. Um, anyway, uh, we're your host, David, and Kingway. <laughs> <laughs> and this feels like an episode of um, I don't know. I I I was writing on a little cheat sheet here that um, it feels like a cheeky invasion because we're both the newer members of uh, the core team at BC, and it's like, oh, I'm I'm taking over Mummy's car and <laughs> taking it out for a drive. <laughs> Or like mum's gone out and I'm like rifling through her makeup drawer, like ruining all her yeah. lipsticks and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it does come with nerves, but I think it is also quite quite nice to be able to uh, bring in, you know, um, a person that I I've known for a long time, and to to have Kingway as well, you know, be a part of a conversation that I personally resonate with a lot on on wellness in general, but also how wellness encompasses our relationship with our our ancestors. And with that, the the trauma that we do uh, need to deal with in in that aspect of of our identity. Are there any like main takeaways that that comes to mind, Kingway? I think for me, as we mentioned a few times during the chat, like trauma can, the minute you mention the word, people are like, oh God, like, I don't want to talk about that. It's dark mm. and scary and it repels a lot of people, understandably. But I think mm. one of my main takeaways from chatting to Jambo was it can be a very hopeful thing too. If we can reframe the way we see trauma in the way that Jambo does so effortlessly, just mm. with his smile, we can see it as opportunity rather than darkness or like lightness that can come from darkness and it doesn't need to be this big scary thing it can actually be a beautiful beautiful thing that can be very hopeful and I think yeah I think that's my main takeaway a feeling of hope Mm. yeah and I, I think about relationships as well you know not just relationships that we 
we have of each other, of our uh, our teachers or the teachers in our lives, but our relationship to to practice. And when I say practice, it also then involves um, the practice of honoring our ancestors. You know how that is a way of keeping in communication with them and finding ways to you know um, maybe even explore uh, belonging through that that practice. Um, what else did we talk about? We talked about the pendulum, the infamous, well, probably soon to be infamous pendulum between the rice and the chili. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's um, one of the best analogies I've ever heard. So you've got that to look forward to. That should, that. Oh, yeah. Like that might even be the podcast title. I, I don't I know. Like, what say, are you thinking, right? I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> that makes our life a lot easier. Just kind of go, right. okay, got the title sorted, done. <laughs> I honestly feel like there are so many like would-be podcast titles um, from what he says. Mm. So we so have a hard many. time picking one, right? Mm. But yeah, what a gem. What a gem of mm. a I think, yeah, J- Jambo really is someone um, I would love to to and write back again and again and again. And, you know, there's always going to be infinite wisdom there to, to hear. So we really hope you enjoy. Uh, before we get into the actual episode, we are super, super, super excited to uh, share, uh, uh, I guess, a, a news to an extension of our podcast. So we have a very exciting request for our listeners. Our podcast is always evolving. And we're really excited to announce that we have a new podcast segment called Listener Voicemails. And um, this is where we would love to hear from you, literally. (laughs) Um, We're inviting you to send in voicemails where you share from your experiences and use that as a way to offer more insights into what it means to be East and Southeast Asian in the UK. Uh, For more details on how to submit a listener voicemail, or for some ideas and prompts for your voicemails, please go to bscene.uk forward slash voicemails. That is bscene.co.uk forward slash voicemails. Um, on top of that, we know that, excitingly, BC Heritage Month is coming soon again in September, and we have uh, recently launched uh, an expression of interest form, um, and the deadline is actually the end of this month in May. So if you are thinking of maybe organizing an event of sorts for September, whatever that event looks like, or if you know your company is looking to um, do something as part of this Heritage Month, this is a good time to just write uh, an idea. Nothing needs to be fully formed yet. We just want to have a gauge of what uh, might be taking place so that we can curate and organize the most um, open and joyous and most epic Heritage Month for this year. <laughs> and I'm so excited for this year's EC Heritage yes. Month. It's going to be yeah. even bigger, better than last year. And yeah. I can't wait. Super excited. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> but meanwhile, enjoy this episode and we hope to see you again. Enjoy, guys. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to But Where Are You From? A podcast by BC, Britain's East and Southeast Asian Network. I am your host, David Kam, and with me are... Kingway. Hello, everyone. Mm-hmm. And Jambo. Hi, everyone. 
<laughs> Hi, Jambo. Um, we are so, so, so honored to have you join us in this podcast. And um, both Kingway and I, we've been chatting right before having you on this Zoom session. And we, yeah, we just, we just can't wait. We can't wait to exchange with you and hear more about your stories. And um, firstly, before we start, I'd love to just check in with how you are today. Well, I'm very excited to be here. I didn't know that this type of platform existed. So mm. thank you very much for bringing it into my life. This is very exciting. Very exciting. Thank you. Uh, it really is our absolute honor. And um, of course, our podcast is called, But Where Are You From? So that has to be the first question we start with. So where are you from, Jambo? Okay, uh, Earth. <laughs> <laughs> it's just easier to say earth now. no i'm kidding i'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> my mom is my mom is vietnamese and my dad is chinese and i'm first generation welsh yay <laughs> i'll take nice <laughs> so you might you might you might hear my welsh accent at some point yeah that's that's great <laughs> I think this is a great space to just bring all, all of you in and uh, that's where you know, the juicy stories come out. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and I've also lived in the northeast of England for quite some time. So mm. although I'm first generation Welsh, I also identify as a Geordie. Nice. So I know you travel a lot, but is that where you're based, Newcastle? Most Only... Of the time? Only because there's a pandemic and my <laughs> mom lives here, which means this is where the good free food is. <laughs> you. Yeah. Right, you get it, right? <laughs> Sorry, I cut in there, Kingway. What did, Kingway, what did you say? I, yeah, understand. I was just telling David, I'm up in North London today, all the way from South London, just ah. to eat my mum's noodles, which <gasps> she's cooked for me today. So, Which, which mm-hmm. noodles did she make, though? Call me. Oh, like salivating <laughs> right now. <laughs> and I'm already I'm eating pad thai as well. Yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the strategic hey. move, Jambo. <laughs> yeah. hey, ne- next time, let's do this on YouTube and eat. Yes. yes. That's, that's a good it. idea. I'm not fun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. So I would love to hear more about your work in your own words. I mean, I have done my fair bit of stalking on you the last two days and I feel like it's very timely. I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like there's a growing sense of like distrust in like mainstream medicine. So I don't want to talk about me too much, but like I definitely have um, experienced like quite a bit of trauma in childhood and definitely... I think working on yourself and working on these things is definitely a journey and mm-hmm. there's definitely no end to it. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've tried everything. I still go to the therapy, which is wonderful. But yeah, I've had some bad experiences with mainstream medicine. And I think complementary medicine mm-hmm. is something that I definitely dabbled in, but don't know much about or maybe haven't had like as much access to um, in the past. But I feel like it's slowly kind of, um, people are becoming more aware of it. And when I was reading about your bodywork practices, meditation, your influence of medicine from East Asia, gonna like pronounce it correctly, 
course. Kinesiology. Kinesiology. <laughs> <laughs> it is a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a handful as well. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. So I've not had a first-hand experience, but yeah, I was saying just last night, my partner was telling me about people that swear by it. Um, like they've turned to mainstream medicine, seen their GPs for like conditions that they've had for years, and just met a kinesiologist. Is that right? Yes. One time, yeah. and like. It's yeah, they've like recommended something that's just got rid of their like chronic pain or ailment, whatever it was. And yes. yeah, I just feel before we hit record, I was just saying to to Jambo, I feel like he's he's the person I've been looking for my whole life. Mm-hmm. The person that if I ever meet him in person, he's gonna cure all my trauma. Oh. <laughs> I'm just gonna ascend from all the bullshit of the world and be a new person. So yeah, please tell me if I'm. Oh my word! Chip in as well. Yeah, (laughs) I have to chip in here before before you share your your work, Jambo. That I remember the first time we met. It was like me being intrigued with your practice, and when we first met in person, you just stared at me, and and then you went, "Can I can I just do something to you?" And I was like, "Um, okay." And then (laughs) you got me to lie down and basically just stuck your thumb in my my jaw to like open up all this tension I did not know I was holding. <laughs> and I think that was just like, yeah, that basically sums up the, the, the magic that you bring with you in the most human and, and <laughs> magical way. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I mean, you're very difficult to not fall in love with at first sight. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to want to help you. I'm going to want to help. <laughs> I really hope. <laughs> I really hope <laughs> that uh, I'm I'm able to help you both here. Otherwise, I can hear my mom's voice echoing my head right now. Stop helping people. You might not be able to help them, <laughs> and you'll embarrass your entire lineage. <laughs> I can hear it right now. So, my work. I've always done this. Mm-hmm. I, I've always been in complementary medicine. I've never done anything else. So I don't literally don't know how to do much else. Uh, and I I went into it really from the age of 14 I my I don't want to I don't want to bring a sad story in and it's not really a sad story because I believe that behind every door of trauma is a gift in Mm -hmm. and I believe that trauma is very much related to karma and if you're willing to approach it like not you know you did good things in a previous life you got a good life now it's far more complex than that but karma and trauma are what essentially shape us or have the potential to shape us if we're willing to go to those places. So we have these traumas for reasons. And if we're willing to go through the door of that experience, what I can promise you is that on the other side, there's more life. And so in my work, I'm very much about breaking down paradigms and experiencing a greater expansion or experience of who we are. I'm very much in belief that we were all born with a mandate from heaven. In Chinese, we call that Ming. So, and and if you connect to that sense of purpose, then the whole universe grants you a wonderful life. And so, you know, when we look at some extraordinary people in the history of the world, we wonder, well, how did they do that? Like, you know, the one minute mile or conquer, conquer all sorts of feats like cross oceans and all that stuff, or maybe just succeeded in a particular type of career or direction in life. I firmly believe that this is because this individual chose to live their Ming, chose to live their Mm. destiny and their purpose. 
And one of the ways to do that is to look at the stuff that holds us back. One of the main things that holds us back are our connections to our traumas. So my work is very much surrounded around that. But when I, when I basically talk about on the surface, I just want people to think that I'm a yoga teacher, an acupuncturist, a body worker, and I teach some meditation. And I, and if I can just get people to come in with that, but as soon as they're in entice them to see a greater, grander, brighter, more luminous version of themselves, then I'm living my purpose. So I use these different techniques as a way to get people through the door. And all of all of these techniques are, I mean, just briefly, just for the sake of people listening, my degree was in complementary medicine. At home, I grew up with meditation, Taoism, Buddhism, so acupuncture, herbs, and all that kind of stuff was there that we're familiar with. So by the time I got a university, TCM, or traditional Chinese medicine, was a potential route but I decided because that was at home, I would go the Ayurveda route because I knew that if it all went wrong, I could just fall back home to a bowl of noodles and some moxa mm-hmm. and some tiger balm. Everything would be okay. <laughs> you know? so, so really that's how, that's how I, that's how I, I uh, that's the work that I do. And with all of these different, actually, I missed a point out. So during my path of studying Ayurveda, then I came across yoga and I used to work with addicts in rehabs. And there's a particular treatment called Shirodhara where you drip warm oil on the forehead for about 45 minutes. And it turns into this incredible meditative experience, extremely restorative practice. And I was hooked by it because it it rejuvenated me and it enabled me to get through my degree, to be honest with you. And so I went to India and decided, okay, I'm going to do some postgrad stuff over here. And there was a treatment protocol where you do 15 consecutive days of Shirodhara and people recover from their addictions. So I thought, bingo, this is what I'm doing. So I'll give this a go. I took it back to the UK. Now, Shirodhara in India costs about three pounds, right? And here it's like, (laughs) I love a lot more, like... Not for the typical street homeless addict, you know, they're not going to be able to look at this kind of thing. So one, it was very expensive. And two, it involved a lot of oil, like liters of oil per person. And so when I started to spend more time with a mop and bucket, as I did with clients, I realized I need to change gears here. I needed to do something else. And then I went back to East Asian medicine and got my hands on some needles and, and, and went down that approach. But then what happened was I realized what I was most fascinated in was was diagnostic techniques. And so I learned visual diagnostics, muscle testing of kinesiology of all different sorts, because I just wanted to be able to pinpoint what is the root cause of all of this stuff that's going on. So I actually spend more time in diagnostics than I do in treatment. Now, all of this really opened a door. This door opened when one of my sisters passed away. I was 14, she was 12. And when she passed away, my maternal grandfather came over from Vietnam. And when he, before he came over, he called and said, you know, do you want anything? Do the grandkids want anything? And all I wanted was a cushion with a yin yang symbol in the middle of it. That's all I wanted. Mm. I wanted to be one of those dosi, you know, uh, Taoist practitioners that meditated (laughs) on these cushions, right? So he's very happy to hear this. And I, I don't know why. Maybe he knew where to buy it. That, that's what I thought at the time. But when he came over, he came over with the whole kit 
of Kuan Yin, incense bowls, you know, these like wooden fish things that I, I know I know people who are listening can't see, but it's this thing that you might hear in temples when people are chanting. So I was given all this stuff and then taught meditation and chanting. And now, you know, that was 14 when I was 14. So like 20 odd years ago now, that bit of trauma of my sister's passing, and we were super close, has shaped my adult life into this. So I, and you know, what I've been doing over the last 10 years is traveling all over the world, teaching what I do. So I hope that helps to bring into perspective of what I was talking about earlier, that the trauma is what is in the way. And what is in the way is the absolute direction that we ought to go into in order to experience more of who we are. Yeah, amazing. No, I, I I couldn't agree more. Like, I think as hard as it is until you sit with those, with your trauma mm-hmm. and really go into like that dark space, mm-hmm. that even though it's hard and it's difficult and it's traumatic, you'll be traumatizing yourself almost. Um, what comes out the other end is so worth it. That's when you discover mm-hmm. your potential and... I feel, yeah, like it unlocks so much more to life. And that's a really beautiful goal to have in life, to be working with that Mm. idea and helping people unlock themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I... Sorry, go on, go on. Oh, I I was just going to say, I I really resonate with your work so much because I feel particularly in our culture, we, we don't speak and share our feelings as much as well which means a lot of the things are held directly in the body um you know things that are unspoken and that's just you know most of us may not really know how to even start addressing this weight that we may feel this tightness and you know to be able to just be be held within the nature of the the, the work that you share um, is such a a nice welcoming relief that, oh, okay, that there are ways that I can also look at this unspoken until I'm ready to, you know, put these things to to words. So yeah, just always in awe with your work, Jambo. (laughs) Would you mind if I share for the listeners just so a little bit of an overview? So, you know, it's a big topic, right? When we're talking about trauma and the word is really scary. But what I want people to know is that when you come to access any of these complementary holistic therapies from reflexology, aromatherapy, Indian head massage, whatever it is, yoga, yoga nidra, there are several layers of why these treatments work. And the first, the most easiest approach is because it gives us a respite. It gives us a break from the processing and the way that we normally process. That's the first thing. Second thing is that it enables us to manage the symptoms that arise as a result of going through the process. So let's say one symptom is you just get anxious. Okay. Or angry. Mine is angry. Okay. And I'll, <laughs> but, but mm-hmm. anxious or whatever emotion you have, then when you have these treatments, it calms you down enough. It brings you back into regulation so that you can go continue on the journey again. And then the third, and I believe the most important, but you know, important is relative, but I feel from a professional perspective, it's important because we're talking about things that are predominantly pre-verbal. That's the hard stuff. 
when we we haven't understood how to put emotions together yet into words and if we if we uh, if we were born with a combination of different cultures going on which i believe you both have then that's actually very difficult to process that information like do you remember going to school as a little child and then wondering why are all these white parents so nice to their children i don't know if you got that david uh, not me just yeah. yeah back in malaysia so i i didn't need to deal with that <laughs> oh yeah yeah you get that right <laughs> and then you're like you know you go through this process of do my parents not love me oh oh yeah. that's not <laughs> do we even want to go there right now <laughs> <laughs> okay okay maybe a little bit too soon <laughs> what, my, what i what all i was trying to say is that some a lot of these traumas are pre-verbal pre-language mm. so where are they stored as you just said earlier david in the body So when we're releasing mm-hmm. that tension it might in our heads be like this is muscular ache but we don't know what the layers are underneath that ache like when did it first contract and what's it done to the rest of it since it started to learn how to contract so mm-hmm. you know for those people that are out there that are wondering you know what is this work about it's about you going through the medium of your body to help release this stuff and the wonderful thing is you get to leave feeling more relaxed now there's another thing i wanted to say kingway because you said earlier about retraumatizing and i want to talk about a pendulum so if you think about point a is the trauma and point b is the liberation from the trauma and so what we do in our approach as practitioners is we swing so we get mm-hmm. close to the trauma and then we swing to relaxation close to the trauma then swing to relaxation mm-hmm. so then what happens is that the nervous system gets completely confused you know like previously when nervous system goes to this traumatic state it only knows how to get stress but now we if we repetitively continuously repeat it with calming down regulation then the nervous system mm. these two things kind of mix up right yeah it's it's so like almost like numbs the effect or like not i don't know if that's numbs not the right word but yeah reprograms maybe right. yes. rewiring yeah rewiring rewiring mm-hmm. think of a big bowl of chili oil now, i don't know about you two but i could eat that stuff all day <laughs> long right now you give me a pan of rice and i'll eat the entire jar of chili so what i'm saying <laughs> is that the chili is the trauma and the rice is the calm the down regulation the comfort the ease you need to add mm-hmm. more rice and then suddenly the chili hasn't disappeared right right it hasn't disappeared it just becomes much more flavorful much more <laughs> delicious to have as a as a human experience compared to a why is this happening to me that analogy just fell on gave me goosebumps <laughs> yeah yeah that that is the most like appropriate analogy to to this community really <laughs> like that's one takeaway takeaway the pendulum between the rice and the chili <laughs> that's all you need to understand from this hour exactly. conversation <laughs> and everything will be healed everything mm. <laughs> but jamba i think you know i what i so respect is i completely agree in you know in the the world that I do as well that um, our body has uh, their their own responses and you know I think with um, with everyone it might be saying I can only speak for myself but today and maybe this month I 
my body feels that it resonates with acupuncture. And so I would just go with that. But then maybe next year, my body feels like it needs something else. And I would just go for that. Um, and it's so great that um, you're not only embracing this fact, but like in the the work that you you choose to do, you've you've gone on to study so many different um, areas of, of wellness and uh, embodied practices to then um, almost be able to offer as many doors, <laughs> um, you know, for people to, to come into. But that's not the only place where I feel you're completely transcending ideas of discipline, but just the, the way you travel so much across the world to uh, meet communities from different places as well. How like why firstly and secondly how like how was that experience like just working with different um yeah localities and and the way they receive your practice okay (laughs) okay well first of all thank you thank you for everything that you just said I I feel as though my ego's had a has has had a lovely (laughs) and as you can both see I really need a haircut so that statement made me feel really really good thank you (laughs) okay so first first thing is that I my degree was uh, multiple therapies to it and each year we studied three different therapies at the same time so by the three years we were like packed and ready to go out into clinic and really the course was, I would say, really intro level, like a 200 hour teacher training, yoga teacher training. And then you go off and you do more stuff to it. So I was already set up to work with multiple disciplines at the same time. Then now, although I was set up to do that, I do have a slight compulsiveness to the way that I learn things. I need to be fully immersed. I need to eat, sleep, poo. Can I swear here or what? Yeah, okay, eat, sleep, shit, you know, all that kind of stuff, <laughs> that mindset. And then I, and then I, you know, get, get it. So now what was, what was the point? Oh yes, that's right. Now, what I loved about being, ha- having the opportunity and freedom to go into these different areas of body work mm-hmm. was that it freed me from dogma. Mm-hmm. It freed me from believing this is the only way that you can do this. And I love that. And one of the things that keeps me on the road is so that I stay free from the dogma of a particular culture. Like right now I'm in the Northeast of England where people don't really like to spend money, you know, like on stuff. It's just a very particular mentality. So my mom loves it, right? (laughs) But I don't. I don't. I feel that if I adopt that mentality, then what happens is I develop a scarcity mentality. And very quickly, my bank account reflects that. Hell no. You know, like, no. So I I, I leave because of, because I, I just don't like being fixed into a paradigm. I, I, I don't agree with it at all. And because if we do, then you know what happens is that the connection to the wisdom of our own body is lost because this other truth outside of us is is bigger. For example. So do you, have you found the pandemic super challenging then from this respect? Oh, all right. Okay. So the pandemic <laughs> at first was, oh my word. Okay. This is not a popular statement. Okay. Was a relief because... <laughs> 
Oh, wow, so you still found relief. Oh, my word. (laughs) Because (laughs) nobody could get me, right? I was, like, behind the screen. (laughs) I was like, you can believe all you want. Like, I don't care. Like, it's even easier now to watch from a screen because all these universes around me were just going into their own paradigms. Mm. And then the, the crazy thing about it was, actually, it was enjoyable for me because everybody was so desperate for truth. Mm-hmm. so desperate for truth and all i saw during the pandemic which is a fundamental universal law i believe is that truth can only be true within a certain number of people and beyond that you have to make up lies so within in the lao tzu right the 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 forefather of Taoism, one of his things that he said and also an anthropologist said this lately but i can't remember his name said that when we're in small collective communities, so when we were in like, you know, ancient times in little villages, we all had the potential to thrive. Everyone had an opportunity to be fed, looked after, taken care of, all that stuff. And then, but people get greedy. They want to have more. So there's more people. And when there's more people, you've basically got to make up bullshit in order for people to follow these rules. You know, I get rules are important to keep order, Sure, but when it gets to a certain number of people, those individuals no longer thrive, they just survive. Yeah, sorry, I'm just, yeah. just ruminating on what you just said. I'm probably no, gonna have that... to replay this like quite a few times to like let it fully <laughs> land. It's yeah, it's wow. powerful what you just said. <laughs> Well, like wow. if you think about when we go to a village, you can know mm. everyone. Everyone knows each other. It's easy to yeah. go get a cup of sugar or whatever it is that you need. But the bigger the city you go to, the more difficult that is. In mm-hmm. a village, more people can grow up and leave and, you know, build whatever lives they want to live. But in a city, we have to fight for it. It's, mm. it's yeah. a different type of setup. Now, I'm not saying that cities are bad. It's just set up for a certain personality or a certain time of our lives. Basically, when mm. we can be asked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, uh, I, mm. you know, slight jokes as well. You know, I, I love cities. I'm like a city creature for sure. And, uh, and, and I'm not saying that just because this is a case that it can affect us all as long as we're aware of it. Look, when you're in London, you have to play the London game. And I say this to Northerners, Londoners aren't unfriendly. You're going to that land. You play the game. What do you mean? People should be friendly. No, 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 no. When you go into any restaurant, any nightclub, any school or any club for that matter, you play by the rules of that place. That's how life goes. Um, and if you don't want to play, get out. Right. 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 There's always a payoff, as you always, say, like taking it back to what you were saying about lesser people less rules but maybe mm. a bigger sense of community and belonging that's right but then as the group grows you trade off that sense of belonging for order and yes. you need those rules and there's always some sort of sacrifice um mm. but yeah I just wanted to kind of dwell on this idea of belonging I know that you mentioned in your work that meditation can be and I know this is um something yeah you mentioned even in our chat just now this idea of connecting to our ancestors right and meditation being I don't know a a way to like connect to our ancestors but then in contrast well perhaps not in contrast but something else I read in your work and something that really piqued my interest was this idea of um metagenealogy so a big part of um 
my personal work and my journey of healing has been, yeah, this breaking of toxic patterns uh, um, and redressing, addressing intergenerational trauma. And yeah, it's been, it's been a difficult journey, but I think it's been a largely empowering one to break certain generational patterns of behavior that no longer serve you. But then to me, it's been quite difficult to marry the two. Okay. So I guess my question is, how does one pay respect to and find the sense of belonging in your lineage and with your ancestors whilst also managing to break away from toxic patterns that no longer serve. So how do you Mm. break away from the old, but also maintain this connection? So you're respecting where you came from at the same time. And I Mm. guess, yeah, rage and resentment and stuff kind of plays into that a little bit. Um, Yeah. Managing all those things into one neat. Sure. Into one neat. uh, I'll give it a go. (laughs) Into one podcast. You want a neat, you invited the wrong guest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yeah, if you like messy, then I'm the guy. If you like things to be neat and tidy, I am not the guy. (laughs) <laughs> and if you want me to try it's not gonna go well. <laughs> I mean, i'm gonna piss you off even more okay no all right so actually great question and actually ties into what david was asking earlier so i'll try and answer mm. them both at the same time if that's okay mm. so traveling traveling you know the the initial start of it was to get out of these paradigms and to break out of any ceilings here and so i experienced the ceiling in the north of england and i decided i need to branch out otherwise i'm never going to grow and if i could get out of bed for money i would but i don't know how to but i will definitely get out of bed for growth definitely now when I started to travel, I basically started to go into Europe first. And that was, most of it was fun. Most of it was fun. <laughs> and then some places were just a little bit too, too posh for me at the time. And I, I, went, to, I went to a private school. I, I mean, not, not by my choice, right? My parents sent me there. And then, but then I spent most of my adult life in the Northeast, which we're, we're pretty direct up here. We're pretty down to the earth like you know if you were walking around the streets and you were had an arrogance about you a geordie will put your ass on the ground very very quickly and remind you that you're human and equal Mm. to everyone else which is why i love that mentality here so it was quite a shock for me to go travel to places where actually that was it was harder just to be silly you had to be serious a lot uh, and then when I got to Asia, wow, everything changed for me. I, and, and you're right, David, I absolutely do love going to Asia and teaching in Asia for multiple reasons. And I'll go into to, to the more personal stuff later. But in terms of mm. teaching, first of all, I don't want to sit here and say Asians are better than everyone else. You know, I, I definitely I'm not <laughs> trying to say that. But what I am saying is that we have a particular mentality when it comes to assimilating knowledge. We respect it. We have, we're like, there's information, I want it, and I'm ready to receive it. And then what I noticed also in that process was that my students over there were less judgmental of my craziness. They were more open in my, to my jokes, to my statements and my comments and stuff like this. And those people who didn't like it just didn't like it. You know, nobody got offended. They were like, this is just what this dude is like. Now tell me how to do that muscle test. You know, that's, that's all they cared about, which I yeah. love. And the other reason why I love going over there is that on the first day of my trainings, I often have a 
talking circle where I ask people, what are the injuries that you would like to work with either within yourself or the stuff that you want to learn around the people that you hold. Now, you know, over in the West, we're very strategic. We're very logical. We're very in our heads about how do we progress in our career? And they are over in the East as well. Don't get me wrong. But many people in the East will say, please teach me so I can help my mom and my husband and my son and my et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's this connection to wanting to support the family, which is richer in our culture than it is in the Western culture that I was actually brought up in. And, you know, we have this word, right, to be filial. And I don't know if, although that's an English word, I don't know how many people here will actually understand the word itself, let alone the concept. Mm. Aside from that, people are, my students over there are just up for two important things in my life, food and fun. Food and fun. And they, as long as we had both, then they felt as though they had made the contribution to attending class. I mean, how amazing is that? Whereas here, mm-hmm. it's like, I've paid you money. Now I have this high level of expectation from you and you better blow my mind. Otherwise, I'm going to either internally complain or, you know, say something just to someone else or something like that. And I, Very transactional. So I'm sorry that I have to say this, but, oh, I can sell courses. Sure. You can pay money to come and learn the information that I have on these courses. But if you want to know the other stuff, the stuff behind that stuff, we have to have a good relationship. No amount of money is going to get me to give that information to you. We have to have rapport. I have to like you. I have to believe that you are going to use this work to truly benefit your community. Otherwise, I'm just giving you this information. And what you're going to do is go around the world doing using it as a magic trick. <laughs> I have plenty of magic tricks. If those are the ones that you want, fine. But it's really not the juiciest stuff. <laughs> it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. So that so those are just some of the some of the approaches. You know, like when we go to Asia and do yoga there, everyone's just up for the new thing. They're up for doing something different. And that, like I said, there's this other level. There's a there's a quality of respect towards the teacher on condition that the teacher's not being an a hole here, yeah. right? Like you know, I am. You know, like there, there's no abuse going on or anything like that here. I'm not saying that you can go there and yell at your students and all that kind of stuff, and they're still going to be nice to you. These people will tell you where to go, right? You know, if you're in Asia and you've got the money to go do yoga, you've got money. Right. Mm-hmm. So they'll tell you direct, get out of my way, get out of my life, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about the interaction of learning. The process of learning is a much more fun experience because we get to be with each other. Now, I teach East Asian medicine practices, too, you know, and people love to talk about meridian theory and acupuncture, acupressure and all this kind of stuff. And I say to them, look, I'm going to give you this information. and I know you're going to take your notes down. I'm going to send you these slides and all that stuff. But unless you hang around with me, you're never going to get it because this Mm -hmm. stuff needs to be lived. 
It can't just be academically, logically understood and then applied to people. If we do that, we run the risk of applying our systems of medicine in a Western medicine framework, which isn't what it's built for and not how it's most effective. If we live the experiences of all of these elements that we're talking about, then it's going to make more sense. So when I'm over there and I talk about where there's a lot of heat in your system, They'll go, oh, yeah, you know, I ate this yesterday and I had shellfish and I ate some beef or I had goji berries. It kind of makes sense to them when Mm. they can identify with something that is hot or cold and what that does to your system. Whereas here, people are far less connected to understand that lamb might raise your temperature and yogurt might lower it. I know we don't have yogurt, but just an example, coconut might lower it. You know, so I I appreciate being in an environment where people get what I consider a very basic understanding of these things, such as food. Yeah, 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 go on. No, I was just going to say it's it's really interesting to hear you speak to these points, especially right now where, as you said yourself, like in the pandemic, it's been almost a trigger for people to start considering stuff that's perhaps Mm. more spiritual or outside of mainstream medicine and yet like it hasn't translated into honoring where they these practices necessarily came from and Mm -hmm. we have such a whitewashed view of wellness here um and I think unless you really it's not just about respecting where they came from but as you say, like, unless you people really understand or look into the roots of these practices, you can't really understand them or nope. really make the mm-hmm. most of them. Right. If you're only looking at it through a Western lens or an individualistic lens, right. um, it doesn't help you. No. Nope. Like, if you mm-hmm. want to be selfish about it, it's not going to help you to look at it through this lens or you're not going to be able to reap the benefits. Right without really understanding the roots. Right. Thank you for saying that. So be with the root, go to the teacher. And I know Mm. that in the West West here, they want to kill the guru, which I understand Mm. because the real guru is on the inside. A a real external, a decent external guru is the one that points Mm -hmm. you in the direction of where the inner guru is. And, And also in the, I mean, like, look at it here. It's, you know, we have stories all over the world of gurus abusing their power but none like we hear in the West because we've given them, you know, we invite the teachers over and we give them a shit ton of money, shit Mm. ton of power. And then we expect them to keep their dick in their pants in a respectful way. (laughs) You can't do that. It's confusing for them. It's not entirely their fault. Our Western Mm. world set them up for that as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, now all of my teachers they insisted, Jambo, eat with me, be my assistant, walk mm. with me, attend as much as you can. And you build the relationship. Like I remember some of the masters who've taught me the most. I spent most of my time carrying their bags around more than sitting mm. there and receiving information from them. But I feel that I learned the most about life from those teachers. Mm. We don't get that here. I think, you know, um, speaking about relationships, what I've taken from from this is, yes, you have your relationship with your teacher, right? 
there's also your relationship with your practice. Yes. And I think, you know, when you then just sort of um, take things as if they're transactions, it's almost just building this superficial armor, but not really like, like wearing them uh, in complement and in harmony. And right. you're just basically being worn and it becomes like a, an odd mask until you establish that relationship uh, with this this ongoing practice and this ongoing exploration then that that's where you you learn the bits that can't be taught right. <laughs> right right yeah and so this respect that you're both talking about so beautifully mm-hmm. here and this is why this is why i relate to our community i mean you both get it right away right mm-hmm. is how we honor our ancestors now there's a, a significant difference in the way that we do this in the East and the way that we do it in the West. In the West, we call it transgenerational trauma, the healing of transgenerational trauma, right? Mm -hmm. We have phrases like that, metagenealogy, right? We're healing the fuck-ups of our ancestors and how they've messed us up. That's the attitude over here. Mm -hmm. But in the East, you go and you respect them. Thank you for giving me life. Here's some incense. Here's some tea. Please take care of mom, dad, brother, sister, whatever, 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 right? In the East, they're on our side. Now, mm. of course, this is a very general statement for both. So I'm about to go just, just another layer deeper into this. There's nothing wrong with both approaches yeah. at all, but please do both. Yeah. Please don't approach your ancestors as though they're gods because they're not. And even now that they've passed the essence of their spirits, they're not Buddhas or, you know, if fully enlightened beings or whatever you want to call them, they're still essences of energy, right? So we're not to worship them like they're gods, very different. We worship them in a respectful way. And then here in the West, what we're doing is blaming them for everything that is wrong with us, which is also not the approach. I'm not asking everyone out there to love every single member of your ancestor. That would be like asking you to love every single person in the world and all of their incarnations. It's impossible to do that. It's hard, difficult enough to love everybody in the same street, let alone the entire history of the cosmos. So, but what I, what I am asking everyone to do is to, this is how you merge it together. Connect to what they have given you, which is this form your eyes, your hair, your skin, your bones. And then at a deeper level, your nervous system, what they have blessed us with is the ability to get through life. They've given us that. They've taught us these tactics that are ingrained in our system so that we can survive. First of all, there's that. Please thank them for our form. So if you like one feature about yourself, your height, your face, your nose, your eyes, your hair, I don't care what it is, please thank your ancestors because yes, you were just born like that, but it had to come from somewhere. The second thing I ask is connect to your gifts. You might be a great speaker. You might be a great teacher. You might be a wonderful healer or a cook or or whatever, right? You might be an incredible lover, who knows? But The point is your ancestors did this really well first, and then it gets passed down onto us. So one of my ancestors was a healer. He was into moxibustion. And so it's no wonder that I'm in this world loving that stuff. And I know you people can't see, but I've got some, I've got some, 
got some moxa here. So as we're chatting, I've just been like tapping this heat on my scar, you know, and, and, uh, and anyway, so that that's come down and something that I'm grateful for. And then you have, and then I have the other side, right? All of my ancestors were entrepreneurs. They were travelers and they were entrepreneurs. So as I travel, as I do business, I'm actually respecting them. I'm actually honoring them by doing what they did. Every single time I pick up a pair of chopsticks and I eat rice, whether I dip it in fish sauce or soy sauce, I'm respecting my ancestors because I'm doing what they did. I'm right. I'm living how they lived. And you know, I have to remember that some time ago, there were some ancestors that got down on their knees, lit some joysticks, and they prayed for a better future. And you know what that better future is? It's you. You are the, are the answer of your ancestors' prayers. You right now in this form. So let's thank them for that, that they gave these blessings from however many generations ago. Now, the other side of this is, although my ancestors were travelers and entrepreneurs, they also carried with them a scarcity mentality. So I also have this within me. And I have to keep an eye on it. Like I made a joke earlier about, oh, if I stay within a paradigm, then my bank account reflects that. Well, of course, that's the law of reflection. But how much of that is also because there is an element of scarcity deep within me that is, that is I have access from my ancestors. That's the piece to change. That's, and how do I do that? Well, I spend time with where my ancestors live within my environment. Now, for me, because I'm a body practitioner, it's very much inside my body. My heart is like an entire universe. And when you go into certain types of that parts of that universe, you go to a certain planet. And so in my heart, there's a planet only for ancestors that I go into to do this dialogue with. And I'm like, look, thank you. You've given me these talents, these gifts. I know you're really proud of me because you would have wanted me to travel this much, but I need you to let go of fearing losing everything because it ain't happening. And if we stop this now... My brother's sons, because I won't have any, <laughs> will benefit from that as well. So, so to answer your question about how do we respect that, have these moments with them and do them in whatever way you want. Either have a little altar or have a little meditation space. And when you have an altar, the only thing I ask you to do is put it somewhere higher than eye level because you want to look up at your ancestors. Looking up creates this, the body language that instigate, that awakens the experience of awe, which is why cathedrals and religious places are built to make us look up. So put them up there. It's a sign of respect and offer them things that they love. We're, you know, we're all, we're, we're all from the same place. So it's kind of like similar types of things, right? Put a bowl of rice there, you know, whatever, like well, at least whatever. And, and have, these, have these moments with them and just say thank you. And then when you're losing it in your own way, like when I'm going, ah, there's not enough money in the world. It's all fallen out of my bank account. Like, you know, that kind of stupid, crazy, useless thought process that I have. Instead of kicking the shit out of myself, I'll go to my ancestors and say, I need your help. You and I need to work together in order to shift through this. I need you to let it go because I already have. Mm. Now, come on, let's do this together. Mm. And even if that lets it go just a tiny scratch, that's enough. That's enough. You know, otherwise, what are you going to do? You know, you dress up in yellow robes, set up the entire altar, and then to command <laughs> all your ancestors and start waving a red wooden sword at them. Go, I'm going to tell mm. you off for being so shit. That's not going to work. Mm. <laughs> is it these are family members we have to build rapport and then eventually you know what happens when you build a family rapport with your family bigger hong bao 
and it's like mutual accountability, right? Like not playing the blame game and just going, wait, you know, you have you have a a, a part in this too, and that's as is always well relationships, right? It's a conversation is is always a, a two way thing, and um, yeah, I think when when you last shared it with me, Jumbo, when I asked you in a private conversation, you know, like how do I how do I stay connected with my ancestors you just you really blew my mind when you say you know you carry them with you everywhere you go regardless of the rituals they're, they're there you carry them in your form um and you know you just speaking about your ancestors i was thinking as well because uh, i come from a line of dentists and I was like, yeah it's quite far from what i do but i'm realizing more and more well really i am i have to I want to own that I have the talent to make people smile without hesitation. And in the past, you know, it's like, um, well, there's only, <laughs> you know, such direct ways in making people smile or not, but more and more, you know, in our world, we're becoming subtly more into the the mind. And I think emotions is such a complex thing. And to, to think of, you know, um, the gifts uh, of my ancestors being, you know, from a relatively superficial, physical, form-based place to somewhere that might come a bit deeper into you know what a smile could represent um i i find a lot of fulfillment and and um healing as well to to just even you know even if it's not uh true or whatsoever like who who knows right it is if it's feeling more and more like a truth that i can own like you know this is how i uh, connect to uh, the people who came before me the people who share my bloodline and um that that is something that makes me feel at home having known that being so far away from literal home back in malaysia <laughs> so it's yeah it's, it's so great to hear your, your sharing jambo is yeah i'm i'm glad that we're having this dialogue now because i my I mean my grandma who's in her 80s now she said to me recently mm. look you have to think of a plan because soon they're going to ban incense and you're not going to be able to burn golden paper Yes, I heard. Yeah. So mm. what are we going to do then? Or are they going to show up for plastic electric thing? You know, like, no, you have to give it in a different way. I'll ask yeah. the same grandma, does granddad really get this, all this gold, you know? And she's like, well, we don't <laughs> really know, but give it from your heart. Do mm. this from your heart. Over and over, she'll just say, from your heart, from your heart, with your heart, with your heart, over and over. And I've never mm. seen so much energy move when I watched a woman pray. And I believe it's because she she it comes from her heart. Mm. So do it from your heart, from your <laughs> heart, because that's all your ancestors care about. You know, what if your ancestors are asthmatic? They don't want joss sticks. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna yeah, do? <laughs> that is a very real possibility. <laughs> right. Thank you so much as well for the reminder of your answer to my question. I feel like no matter how many times like I get told by my therapist, like you can't pigeonhole things, things aren't black and white. And the way I was kind of asking you to kind of marry this and this, like the blaming your your intergenerational trauma and marrying it with honoring your ancestors and your answer was yeah just reminded me again like the pendulum I keep needing to be reminded um that stuff isn't black and white and it needs to be a bit of both like you can recognize the pain 
family members or whoever have like caused you but you can be grateful for so many things too and it doesn't need to be one or the other in fact like a balance of the two is kind of where you need to be and it doesn't always need to be neat or fit into a box or pigeonhole and I think yeah that's been something I've really had to work at unlearning so thank you for the reminder congee it's all about the congee you can't just have dried right right you need to add more water and you know like rice is exciting to eat with all sorts of stuff but hello congee is really mm-hmm. exciting to eat with. right come on we're all mm-hmm. already like oh, give us <laughs> i love some congee and yeah i've learned to um because of viv who's another member of bc and she's gotten me to try adding cheese to my congee and i'm loving it but it is oh my gosh it blew my mind i'm not talking about plain congee (laughs) it's like well maybe if it's like chicken congee i added some parmesan and i thought wow (laughs) i did not i did not expect to enjoy this as much as i'd enjoy like ramen with cheese but well you know so be as messy as you want (laughs) what would your ancestors think about this guys So I know people can't see, but Kingway and I are like pulling these faces of horror and terror as David is talking about like putting no. Italian cheese on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, but yeah, I'm I'm going away from from culture, you know, and I'm kind of venturing across the globe uh, with my my food exploration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on that note, we thought of maybe just. Um, asking some quick fire questions to you, Jambo. Okay. So the first one, dumpling, steamed or fried? Everything is better fried. But, <laughs> but, 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 like if you're going to go order dim sum, you need to have both. Yeah, um, yeah of course. Then you have a variety, right? Exactly. But I take it uh, that fried is the answer then. Fried is the one. answer because fried is just the best. Mm-mm-mm. Yes. And chopsticks or fork? Chopsticks or hands. Okay. Yes, <laughs> yes, and, I love and, it. and I want to sit on the floor. Let me sit on the <laughs> goddamn floor. Yes, me too, me too. I still do. Um, I have a sofa, but I sit on the floor with a sofa against my back. So I don't know why I bought the sofa for, but because <laughs> your cross culture thing. You're like... I know. Yeah, sandwich between the two always. <laughs> Last one, most important one, but I think we already know what team you're on. Rice or noodles? Oh, no. David, <laughs> it's so hard. Because right now, the inner Horfun demon is coming up in this bright white form. And then right next to it is like this demon that's made of fried rice. And they're kind of going, me, it's me, it's me. It's me. Horfun <laughs> demon. I can I know. see yeah. it. Like... You see it. <laughs> Food demons. <laughs> That's gonna be my dream tonight. <laughs> so I think it's gonna. I don't know. I think right now I would eat hoof fun over rice. Wow, right, that right now. Was right, right, now this right now, this yeah. Moment. Okay, okay. surprises. Okay. <laughs> Have you I know, had like cauliflower rice? I have uh, not had yeah. it. I am not into no? heart replacements. Okay. <laughs> That's probably what's wrong with me. <laughs> I hear you. 
okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Maybe that's what I need to change about myself. <laughs> now to be eternally happy. You can tell me when you meet me. I feel like when you meet me in person, I feel like it's gonna be a very gonna feel very vulnerable. It's gonna look into my soul and be like, you got some mad negative energy about you. (laughs) That is not what I pick up from you. Oh, good, good. I was just uh, looking for some um, validation before we. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, I see somebody who's very talented, especially oh. with multi-skilled work, multitasking. You're very, very good at it. <laughs> wow, it's definitely what I see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can <laughs> tell you more, but maybe you know, in private, <laughs> in private over a big table of dim sum. In fact, when I come down to London, if you both put me on a table full of dim sum, you can ask me anything you want. Um. <laughs> I'm game. I'm absolutely game. And I don't want to invite too many people either because I yeah. want to start. No, it's like, yeah, you also <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> but you better tell me, Kingway. <laughs> yeah, you think you want invited. It's not like an yeah. open invite. <laughs> but I could chat to you forever. Um, I know where to find you, but do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you on your socials or wherever else? Sure. Okay. So my main website is jambodragon.com. I have an online yoga meditation school, but I only recommend that you come if you like the way we'd approach doing things. Okay. Like if you want things clean and done things in a normal, regular yoga way, it, I just, it's just not me. And then, so that's jambodragonschool.com. If you want like crazy party when it comes to your healing and movement process. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Jambo Dragon on Instagram, and I believe that's it. <laughs> yes, that's that's everything. So, but I should. Oh yeah, TikTok, same. You know, but I, I'm doing that thing where all of my energy is in Instagram, and I need to transfer over to TikTok. But you know, I'm sure I'm sure you know what I mean. Well, it looks like your reels are kind of ready made for TikTok. Yeah, just, yeah. Just like I was looking through them last night, I tried your like shoulder exercise last uh, night where you yeah. breathe in yeah and then you like pull your shoulder blades down and you <laughs> like sort of sitting up in bed like ah <sighs> <laughs> I was like what is wrong with you it was like it feels so good and if one three minute video can make me feel that good then uh, that's the kind of stuff we need on TikTok you know yeah <laughs> I'm gonna do your jaw thing in a minute David please <laughs> on, on please please, please do yeah do I'm still you know on and off it's like um, yeah, so I, I welcome that. I'll look up for it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Do check out Javi's videos. They are definitely worth it. Thank you. Right. Thank you. So this was But Where Are You From? A podcast by Be Seen, Britain's East and Southeast Asian Network. You can find Be Seen on Instagram at Be Seen, that's B E S E A dot N, and Twitter at B E S E A underscore N. If you want to donate to us or buy us a coffee, had a big debate with David about whether it's Kofi or coffee. We decided Kofi is a sophisticated way to say it, but <laughs> donate to us there at ko-fi.com forward slash BC. Um, we are your hosts, David and Kingway. Thank you so much, Jambo, for joining us today. This was an incredible chat. I have so much to like think about. Stuff still hasn't quite so landed. Much. But mm. I'm gonna listen back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be in your life more now. I'm just gonna have Good. to accept yes. it. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, I, that, 
very happily have plenty of room under my wing for you. Oh, I'm definitely not done with you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, much, Jambo. Thank you, my love. Have an amazing rest of the evening. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Have an amazing rest of the day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.